Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Before I jump into my introduction, I have a request of you all. If you've been listening to Perceived Value and you're enjoying what you're hearing, a great way you can show your support is by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes. And if you really want to show some love, you can rate and review us. It's basically how iTunes knows that people are listening and they care about it. Plus, it'll make me look real good when I start asking people to sponsor me. So yeah, do me a favor. Give us a rating and a review. Every day, we hear jingles playing on commercials or music in the background of our favorite movies. But do you ever go out of your way to find out who's responsible for all these melodies that you hear in your normal day-to-day life? Do you even notice half of the time? Well, this week's guest, he is not a jeweler. And if you listen to the introduction of this podcast, which I sure hope you did, you're already familiar with his work. He's a Seattle-based musician, producer, and composer. And like most artists, he has a whole other day job to pay the bills. And then he spends his nights and weekends chasing his passions. I sat down with my friend Hamilton Boyce to shine a little limelight on the man responsible for making my introduction and segues sound so professional. Oh, and stay tuned after the interview because we have a little added musical bonus to this episode. Um, All right. Well, hey, we're in Seattle. Yeah. It's good to be home. Uh, Welcome back. Thank you. I refer to this place as home, even though it's not my home. Yeah, I was curious about that. We were like, go home for Thanksgiving. I was like, okay, that's cool. I do because for me, it's the place I identify most as home. Yeah. Um, Because when you're my parents are both past so it's like my literal childhood home doesn't exist right and i grew up i mean i came i had most of my 20s in seattle yeah so it's just kind of the place i identify with the most um and most of my loved ones are here right yeah so home can be wherever it's a state of mind ah home is where the heart is (laughs) stupid phrase (laughs) whatever (laughs) um so hamilton boyce Yes, Sarah um, Brown. Y'all that just listened to my intro, and if you like that music you heard, that is Hamilton's music. So I'm talking with the man behind the music. Yeah, me and some other people who are in that band. Yes, true. I always am like, hey, my friend Hamilton did it. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's a rude thing to say because it was, okay, so that song, what's the title of that song? That song is entitled, All You Need to Know. 
I you had to think about it a minute though, it. didn't you? Yeah, well, it is you know, all you need to know. Okay. Now that you said it, I got it. I'm like, yes. And off of a Song Sparrow research record, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. That is off of our most recent album, which is called Sympathetic Buzz. That was, uh, I think, maybe a 2016 release, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so are you guys still together? Because it was always kind of like there's a lot of different members floating in and out of that band. Yeah. Um, I just realized that I think that that's, I don't even know what album that's off of. No, no, that is off of Sympathetic Buzz. Okay, because uh, I was like, the, the people, whoops, uh, the people... The, the people changed a little bit from uh, the that record to the one that I am currently working on. So the band, I mean, on paper, the band exists. We haven't uh, played together in uh, the last time we played together was recording sessions for this album that we're working on now. And that was two years ago. Wow. So, uh, you know, we're not super active, but I do have this record um, that we're working on finishing and it's, it's close finally yeah. uh, after two years of, I don't know, sitting around and dabbling around with it and stuff. Um, well, it's just kind of a constant band. I mean, how long has the band been going on? I want to say 10 years. So as long as you exist and you want to write music and record it, <laughs> yeah. you ha- is there anybody else in it? The cello player, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, David Balotero. He seems been, like he's always been a real constant in it. Yeah, he's at this point the only other person that's been in it the entire time. Yeah. Um, and then Evan, the drummer, Evan Woodall, has been with us for like the majority of the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't the original drummer, so Nash Turley was the original drummer. Um, so yeah, David and I are the only two people that are constant throughout. Yeah. So it's a way to keep writing music and experiment with your sound. Yeah. 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 Cause there, I mean, I feel like there's different types of bands. They're the type of the bands that people want to be playing shows. They want to party. They want to practice. Right. They get their shit together every once in a while to record. Right. But they're more like a live band. And this is more of like a studio recording kind of project. Yeah. I totally like it's more of a creative sort of art sort of thing, Um, you know, creatively fulfilling, like experimenting. And it's like definitely I think of it as like a vibe band. Like it's all about just getting a vibe across. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's kind of what it's always been whether or not like you know different ways of getting to that vibe ultimately but um yeah it's a vibe band it's it's a vibe hashtag vibe band which is why it's great for (laughs) instrumental podcast intros i guess (laughs) yeah no it is well you know my favorite compliment about this podcast so far has been number one wow it sounds like a real podcast (laughs) i'm like Thank you. And like, sorry if that's offensive. Like, no, not at all. I'm still shocked. It's great. <laughs> and then the second compliment is your music. It's real music. Where'd you get that music? Nice. <laughs> um, it sounds like real music. It sounds like real music. And you instantly came to mind for it. Because I had, I've seen Song Sparrow Research live before. Mm-hmm. And I've always really liked you guys. Thank you. Um, because, well, you know, and everyone, Hamilton and I, we're in a band together. That's right. Um, I refer to Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton, voice of an angel voice. <laughs> I think my mentor, Sarah Lurcher, called you that. She's like, he's got like a voice of an angel. And I'm like, I know, it's ridiculous. Um, so I had the pl- pleasure of uh, getting to sing alongside of you for a while. Yeah. And I don't know if you've even talked about this on your podcast, that Sarah Brown is an excellent singer. 
<laughs> well, it's a little weird to <laughs> talk about yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, we were in a band. I mean, how long were you in Country Lips? Like three years or I mean, at least a few years. Yeah. No, I remember, I remember our two year anniversary and I definitely was in it past that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I was one of the original members. Yeah. Kind of like Song Sparrow Research. We have gone through a lot of iterations. That's right. And that started because me and my then boyfriend were really into country. Yeah. And I remember he recorded on a record, I think, for this band Raggedy Ann's, which our bass player was in. And then he was like, hey, babe, I met these guys and they were like totally down to play some country. Yeah. (laughs) Spice Man was his nickname. (laughs) (laughs) I had this thing happen like a year ago where I was like, oh, yeah, my ex-boyfriend Spice Man. And they're like... What was his real name? And I couldn't remember for a moment. I was like, oh my God, what was his name? Um, yeah, but he, he was a total babe, had this like long, blonde, curly hair. Yeah. Looked great behind the piano. Rock and roll, man. He's kind of like a Kurt Vile vibe. Yeah. And then we broke up. And I remember I was like, oh, do I get the band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't want to quit. <laughs> and I remember that conversation. You guys were like, no, we don't want you to go either. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Yeah, well, it was. It worked out great because both of you had stopped showing up to rehearsals for a while. And we're like, fuck, I guess we lost both of them. Am I allowed to swear on this, by the way? <laughs> yeah, you're okay. totally fine. It's podcasting. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, damn, we lost both of them. Like, that sucks. And then... And then I think after like a few weeks, then like you would, you showed up to a rehearsal and we're like, all right, we got, we got at least one of them. We got Sarah. That's great. Like that is. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I don't want to be in that band anymore. I was like, cool. I'll take him in the divorce. Thank you. Uh, but no, it was good. I learned a lot because I sang classically in high school and into college. Mm. So I was a mezzo soprano, second soprano. Okay. Um, but I don't even know what that means, but that's awesome. I don't think I knew that about you. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've lived a lot of lives, <laughs> quit a lot of things. <laughs> um, and this was my first time being in like a real band. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so it was a lot cool. to learn. Yeah. Remember that time uh, <laughs> Miles hid my tambourine? <laughs> I was like, I'm getting that in this podcast somehow. <laughs> Bring it up. So if he hears it, Miles, it's cool. I still forgive you, but I'm just never going to forget. Um, well, in your defense, uh, Miles hides every tambourine from everyone. <laughs> it wasn't anything personal about you, I don't think. Because um, as far as I know, your tambourine, tambourine playing is pretty on point. But uh, <laughs> I yeah, was he's, so pissed. He's not a fan of auxiliary percussion, which is why it was so rewarding when we went in to do the last record and uh, Randall Dunn, who was producing it, was like, He's all about Augs percussion. So he was yeah. like, all right, we're going to come in. Everyone's going to have tambourines. We're all going to play them <laughs> on the downbeat in unison. And like, you know, Miles is just trying to like be a good sport. So he was just like, all right, I just got to go with the flow. Here. <laughs> He's just sitting back there fuming like now, <laughs> now. Um, that's really funny. Yeah. So and Country Lips, that is the name of the band. Yes. Um, <laughs> first time I met Hamilton's mom, she's like, your name's awful. You need to change it. <laughs> Thank you, mama boy. So my God. <laughs> <laughs> um she now by the way likes the name she has come around really yeah she was adamant about changing it for a long time but now like last time she brought it up she was like you know i i got into like the name i like it now i don't think you should change it anymore I'm like that's good because we've been a band for what eight years or something <laughs> yeah it's like it's really not going anywhere so yeah. it's fine um so that is uh seymour by the way oh <laughs> it's okay doesn't matter just for the record um so three records out right country lips how many records yeah Three records. Yeah. I recorded one with you. Yeah. Um, well, I'm on the second record too. It's interesting. I 
started getting into jewelry while we were a band. And there was a while there where we were just playing constantly. Like yeah. it was a full-time relationship. Yeah. Me and eight men <laughs> don't put out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and I got into jewelry and then got into the core fellowship at Penland. And I remember recording tracks the day before I left for Penland. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Cause we were like, she's moving. We got to get, uh, we got to get her down on like some of these key harmonies. Like we can't make this record without these. So yeah, we were like, we got to slip it in before we, <laughs> before we lose you. I know. And amongst the chaos, I remember my then boyfriend was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, I have to go record these. Like yeah. I have to do this. Um, and well, I don't know. I appreciate know. you taking the time to do I, that. Thank you. No, it was great. It was the perfect way to spend my last day in Seattle. Yeah. But I don't know if you know this. We were recording my parts for How Many Towns, mm-hmm. which is my favorite song that we ever wrote and did together. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of this like weird anthem in my mind, actually, because yeah. it's like How Many Towns to the Next Broken Heart. Right. And me leaving for Penland was the start of like a new trajectory of my life mm-hmm. and also this really nomadic time. Mm-hmm. And I was hyper emotional anyways, cause I, exhaustion and also leaving. So mm. I actually was like tearing up while we were recording and trying to keep it together. Perfect. I know. <laughs> That's the ideal <laughs> way you, to record it. Can you hear it on the recording? <laughs> Does the true raw emotion come through? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, that's our history together. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. I feel like you guys are, you're a family, no matter what, every time I come back here, it's, yeah. you guys are top list to see. And you know, Jonah's wedding, we did, uh, Oh yeah. We, well, uh, we performed what was part that? of the wedding band. Oh, uh, what was that song I had to sing while she walked down the aisle? Is that Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. It's a songbird. Yeah. yeah. You and Trevor did a harmony and then the guitar accompaniment yes both on guitar that was awesome and then mike knee (laughs) what was the song that they wanted us to do as they were walking out of the reception or whatever jackie robinson higher and higher yeah and that song is high it is high yeah all of us were like (laughs) no not even gonna try sorry (laughs) we love you have a great wedding (laughs) and we got mike knee to do it yeah and then he did that really bitchin' um, saxophone solo. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the sax solo. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And then we created a three-part backup harmony. Yeah. Um, which was pretty darn good, too. Do you remember the name of our band? Oh, no. What was it? I know it. I just don't know if I'm supposed to say it. No, say it. <laughs> uh, Big Baby and the Angel Demons. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I do love the... Um, in the country lips, if I missed a show, yeah, it was Black Wolf, Black Wolf Men's Club. Black Wolf Men's Club. Yeah, I used to get so annoyed. I'm like, why do you need a new name? I'm just <laughs> missing one show. Um, but there's what other like one-off names you got? Oh yeah, there's so many. Uh, there's Red Stallion, which I think it's if Trevor's missing, and then there's the Lebanese Cowboys, which is maybe <laughs> if I'm missing. Uh, I'm probably not the right authority on this. We we also man we played as uh, one Halloween we played as boners in space nice um, and last Halloween we played as something weird too but I don't even remember what it was I mean it's all of one month ago <laughs> less than a month <laughs> so long ago how can you remember <clears throat> I don't know so yeah so that's we have a great history together yeah and 
I will say the music that you let me on the podcast, I sent you this message and I was like, hey, listen, I don't know how I don't know the whole thing about, you know, you see like that car commercial and you hear a Modest Mouse song in the background. And I was like, oh, it's all over. <laughs> like Modest Mouse <laughs> sold their music to Saturn or something. Right. But I know that that's where a lot of musicians get a lot of money. Yeah. Um, this was not one of those things for you. <laughs> it was just me saying, <laughs> I'm going to try to do this podcast and I'll pay you a hundred bucks <laughs> if you let me use 30 seconds of your song. Yeah. Um, and I always think it's funny. It's like if you keep dividing a hundred by how many episodes I get. Like you understand how much you're getting paid each time. Kind of right. This will be like episode eight, I think. So you can go ahead and do the math and (laughs) tuck that paycheck in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the royalty system. Um, yeah, well it's funny because I mean, I was listening to, uh, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and, um, including yours. And uh, w- one of them is Stuff You Should Know. I don't know if you listened to that one at all. Yeah, I've listened to that, yeah. Um, but they recently had their 1,000th episode. Um, but they were kind of like, they did a little bit of like kind of talking about, you know, the history about it and just sort of like, it's crazy that we did 1,000 episodes and all this stuff. And then they kind of like threw in some joke about how their their theme music is like some random royalty-free theme music that they just like pulled out of a library so like anyone can use it (laughs) they were like yeah sometimes we get you know we get like a email from someone like oh i heard your theme song in some you know like wash you know like washing machine commercial are you gonna sue them and they're like nope not our song royalty free (laughs) (laughs) i did look through those yeah yeah i did there was a moment where i was like okay because there's all these websites you can google it's like oh Mm. you want to start a podcast this is what you do yeah (laughs) i literally went through that yeah and i just i couldn't i was too much of a snob i was like i don't want anybody else to have my song totally yeah yeah well you did the right thing that's not usually how royalties go but i did say if somehow i ever start getting paid for this that then we would go back and renegotiate what's happening there sure because i would i mean you know just like every other artist, like I want you to get paid. I get pissed when I feel like people think I should, you know, I'm a jeweler. And so they're like, can you resize this for me or something? It's like, you should never ask your friends who are artists for freebies because right. we're struggling. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little guilt about being like, I know a hundred dollars is like a slap in the face, but no, I mean, I was happy to help out and, um, you know, the, I don't know, one argument that people like to make that is sort of like a bullshit argument is like, well, or people who are trying to get things, you know, get artists to do things for free is like, well, think about the exposure. It's lots of, it's free exposure for you. And you're like, well, first of all, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're just trying to get shit from me for free. Um, but on the other hand, like, you know, that can be, that can be relevant sometimes, but at the same time, like when you're just trying to help out your friend, like, I mean, I would, you know, it's like, you want your friends to succeed and you want things that they're doing to be successful. And that, you know, if you, if there's anything like, if there's anything you can do to help make it better, Mm -hmm. like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if you ever asked me to put vocals down for anything, it's like Mike's asked me before. It's like, yeah, I'll do that. I don't care. And I would never expect anything. Right. Maybe a line on the record saying backup vocals. Right. Yeah. Sarah Brown. Credit. Great. Perfect. Yeah. I gave you guys a whole tab on my website too, just so you know. Nice. Yep. Thank you. It, and your pictures up there, and it looks it looks nice. And you know you're getting so much exposure from this. <laughs> the hundred people have heard it. 
Um, so speaking of that, you have always been kind of the go-to guy for helping with recording for us. Like the first rec- rec- um, record we recorded was mm-hmm. in our bandmate Trevor's family cabin yeah. in Bremerton. Yeah. Yeah. Where MXPX is from. <laughs> I was really stoked on that. And we, Bremerton. oh my God, we hold ourselves up and ho- it was the weekend of Halloween. So we all had costumes on all weekend, yes. which was really bizarre. And Four Loco still was like the real Four Loco where it had energy drink mixed with alcohol that made you kind of crazy. <laughs> the OG blend. Yeah. So I remember we bought as many as we could without the <laughs> store being like, no, <laughs> and just hold ourselves up. And you pre- recorded us. You yeah. were our audio engineer. Yeah. Um, and you do that a lot. I do. Yeah, I do that from time to time. Um, and yeah, that one was cool because we just did it. We just, I just set up a, a, my borrowed a bunch of gear from my dad and maybe some mics from some other people and just set up like a old eighties mixing console and like a tower computer from like the, probably the late (laughs) nineties or mid nineties or something. And, uh, you know, just, we all had vocal mics, no one had headphones or anything. We just hit record and that was uh that was pretty much the record i guess we did do overdubs because jonah and kenny weren't there but um but yeah so uh yeah i recorded and mixed that one um on this super old hilarious system um and uh it's you know it's a little funky but it i think it's like perfect for like i get super happy whenever i hear one of those tracks i'm like because it just feels like you're hanging out with us and partying with us and like i think that vibe really comes across yeah because um, it was a party. Yeah, it was a party. And then the second, uh, the second record, we also did in a similar way. Um, we didn't. We I uh, was able to lock down this like big loft space in Pioneer Square, and it was the same thing where we just set up, set up mics, and um, but you were not present because you were uh, yeah. doing your own thing at that point. Mm-hmm. But we did that one in a similar. Way. But I did have the, uh, I guess the wisdom at that point to send it off to someone else to <laughs> mix it. <laughs> <laughs> clean it up a little bit so i think you know the the quality the sound quality of that one is a little better and then and then after that i was like you know what i could do this again but like let's step it up let's like let's go to a studio you know they've got like good (laughs) they've got good microphones and they have you know soundproofing (laughs) yeah you know we could have headphones and separation and all this (laughs) fancy stuff but so your dad was i remember that now your dad was in the music biz right what did your dad do yeah, my dad um, is a musician and he is a engineer and um, his current like job is for a sound company. So he does a lot of, I mean, just all kinds of stuff with sound, but they do installations and live sound. And he was telling me about some, he, some private corporate party that he did for where they just, just some big company just, just decided, decided to hire sticks as like the, the entertainment. Really? <laughs> so they, you know, they called in the, uh, Morgan sound is the company They called them in to do sound for it. So, um, yeah, but, uh, but he, he still plays in bands. He gigs like maybe as much as me or more as he plays bass and, uh, he sings as well. Um, and yeah, but so growing up, he always had some kind of recording set up. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be able to be like exposed to that and, uh, you know, when I was starting my own bands and I was a teenager and stuff, he would be like, he would be like, yeah, let's, you know, let's record a song. Let's, you know, set up some mics. And, um, and then at a certain point he was like, yeah, I think you're, you know, you're old enough now. You're, I don't know, 13, 14, like you can, <laughs> you can learn how to use pro tools. I'll show you how to use pro tools. So, um, I kind of had that awesome, like early exposure and, um, 
and just someone who was like an expert just there to like mm-hmm. be like here's functional gear and here's uh you know some quick lessons on get, getting you started well that's interesting too because your day job what mm-hmm. are you you build what websites for a I living? do yeah and do you think that kind of plays into like that early exposure with electronics and computer and all that yeah definitely um because when i was a kid my dad worked for microsoft for a long time and so he was like you know he was we would you know we had a computer we had one of those old like black and white mac se's mm-hmm. um so i was kind of always like exposed to it. and he was always, i mean he's just great about like if if someone shows interest in something like oh this person's interested in computers or music or whatever like here you know take this you know here's a computer here's a guitar here's whatever just like kind of make sure that they have that available to them to like mess around with and and learn um so yeah that was i mean having i mean just having access to technology is like or you know whatever it is having access to it is like obviously super crucial to being able to develop your skills and craft and um yeah and i mean one of my things that i think about is like i just wish my parents would have been like learn to play the guitar or learn to play the piano right like and that just wasn't in the cards for me and i get really jealous of people i know who have been playing or taking lessons since they were like 10 or nine or whatever. And they're just so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can go either way too. I mean, I think it's good when I was like super young. Um, my parents were like, you know, you're going to take piano lessons. It's a good instrument to know how to play. It's kind of the basis of like all music, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't care at all. Like I just didn't like, what piano like what, what am I gonna do with a piano like I, I you know I wanted to play with like <laughs> Legos and stuff and yeah uh, so I took piano lessons for like I don't know probably multiple years but I just never like I just didn't care and you know that was like in the grunge era so it was like well, I was listening to Nirvana and Soundgarden and stuff and it's like piano just didn't interest me um, yeah. so finally when I like got to learn how to play a power chord then I was excited but um, you know <laughs> parents can only do so much like (laughs) yeah you can only like sort of be supportive i think and you know suggest things but if you if you try and force things like i would now i would love to know how to play piano like i should know how to play in fact i probably should start taking lessons but um but you know i don't know what what i could have done differently or what they could have done differently to like actually make me care about learning piano did you well you're a really great guitar player so how long have you been playing guitar uh, I've been playing for a long time. I mean, uh, like after the 14, sort of, 13 years old. Kind yeah, of? totally. Okay. I was definitely like in, I think I was maybe in like fifth, fifth grade or fourth or fifth grade. And when I started like picking it up and I think I, I think I maybe like picked it up when I was in fourth grade and then like started taking lessons when I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And then I was pretty much complete garbage up until, uh, I mean, I'm still working it out now. (laughs) Well, actually, I will say y'all spoiled me because living in Seattle, it was you and then the guys I was dating, there was this other group of musicians like the Holy Ghost Revival crew, Bainbridge Mm -hmm. Boys. You're all so incredibly good. And I left Seattle and I moved to Penland and there's musicians everywhere. Everybody plays guitar or whatever. But mm. I remember being at this party and they're like, yeah, let's play some songs. I was, and being like, oh, can you play this? And like, oh, no. I was like, oh, can you play this? And like, no. And they had like four songs they could play. Right. And I was like, damn it. I have been I have been living with like living, breathing jukeboxes where I could say, hey, can you play this? And you're like, no, but we can look it up and I'll play it two minutes later. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is pretty incredible. 
Yeah. When you're not around that to realize like how good I had it. Right. And you're like, and that's the point where you're like, wait, I wish I could actually just pick up it. I mine. know. Well, I own a guitar now. I'm still not good at all. Yeah. But, but I've heard you play guitar. Right? You can, you can get around on some chords, right? I can pluck out. I got my Patsy Cline songs down because yeah. she's my favorite to sing. Yeah. Um, and she's real simple. And uh, Hank Williams, that's like three chords. Like, I got that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting there. Slowly but surely. Yeah. Um, so have you ever... I look at your career, because you play a lot of shows and music. I'm always interested in the people who play so many shows or tour, what kind of jobs they have that allow them that kind of flexibility. Yeah. Because it's not easy. It's, mm. And I think Seattle was always really interesting to me because... You know, like Kim from the Fastbacks bartended at the Cha Cha. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some of the most amazing, talented people are working in food service because right. that allows them the flexibility they need for their work. Right. Um, like the singer for Mud Honey, like is it works in like the stock room at Sub Pop, like stuffing yes. records. And he would come to my deli that I managed in the Pike Place Market for lunch, like two or three times a week and it took me forever to realize it was the dude from mud honey and then i got really nervous once i realized it i used to like shoot the shit with him and then right. when i realized who he was i was like here's your panini <laughs> <laughs> it's like keep it together sarah he's just a human um but your job does allow for that kind of flexibility yeah yeah it does um have you ever tried to make a living off of the recording thing yeah sort of i mean um i've I am currently trying to make, you know, shift my living towards, cause I do make money from music, but just not enough to live off of. Well, how do you, okay. Well, let me ask you that. Like, how, well, for instance, has country lips ever made money off of our records? Uh, n- I would say no. <laughs> okay. Just, <don't, laughs> I mean, I haven't answer. seen any checks, so like I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. The short answer is no. I mean, certainly not off of our actual records. Yeah. Um, we, have finally now gotten to the point where like we started splitting up the money that we make on shows mm-hmm. um to, between the people but like it's it's had its ups and downs like we had to stop we started doing it for a while we we're like this is great and then we went on tour and then like we started you know having to you know pay for hotels and we we're like okay we're not when we pay out people we're not making enough to like have the band be sustainable and a band the, fund yeah and then yeah. the bus broke down and we're like okay we need to put like a few grand into fixing the bus but we have been paying ourselves out so now we can't fix the bus so the bus was sitting <laughs> on the street for like three months or something just not functional why um, you played shows to save money to fix the band right exactly yeah. so like we would play at the little red hand and would be like Hey, uh, you know, by the way, there's a tip jar here. We <laughs> desperately need to get our bus fixed so we can not have to like all take lifts to the next <laughs> three gigs or whatever. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think that, I think that answered that point of part of the question. Um, but yeah, uh, but you know, like we wanted, I mean, we were getting to the point where we're like have enough material for the next record. Um, but we don't have any money. Yeah. And, you know, we have a little bit of money, but like not enough to go and do a studio or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, being and it's an eight piece band. So being in a, a big band that tours and has a lot of expenses is, you know, like I make a little bit of money off it, which is cool yeah. at least to like pay for new strings and like, you know, nine volts or whatever yeah. for the pedals. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's not enough to obviously not enough to pay rent. Well, I've never really been too in tune with it, but I remember there was a while there where we played a lot of weddings. Yeah, and weddings are kind of cash cows for bands. Yeah, because people have big budgets. Right, and um, like they actually pay you what you should be getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Right, and so I remember that money was going into. The, just the band fund like i think i asked about it once it was never really on my mind yeah totally um because you know it's like as long as i got paid in drinks for the night i was happy yeah for sure yeah i mean <laughs> we i i think i think i was in the band for seven years before i made a one dollar from <laughs> yeah and it was roughly that it was roughly one dollar <laughs> and you have to think about expenses that they have is like typically you do need some kind of van because there's a lot of equipment to move and then practice space. We were fortunate enough to have somebody's house where we could practice all the time. Yeah. But that house is now defunct. Yes. So do you guys have to pay for a practice space now? Uh, no, not yet. We probably should, but we, I mean, if we did, then we would just not have any money uh, <laughs> or we would just be paying out of pocket, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause like practice spaces are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're priced accordingly, especially based on like the, Seattle, you know, real estate market or whatever. But, um, but for a band, it's like no band. I mean, bands don't really make that much money. So it's just like an investment. So, uh, fortunately we have some, like some of the people in the band have houses that they live in now where like we are able to practice there sometimes, but we don't have like a central place like we used to where we just like leave all our gear all the time. The central place is the bus. So we just like leave our gear on the bus and then, uh, we're kind of yeah in between, but it's, it's been nice. I mean, have a little bit of change of environment. You yeah. can only re- rehearse in the same dingy basement <sighs> for so many years. There's so many memories in that basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even things like uh, like the bus. Like who bought the bus? Um, the so I mean, like we paid for it with band money. Oh, guys, and also for those that don't know, they have this. It's like a short bus, right? Like, it's uh, a well, sort of. It's yeah, it's a shuttle bus. So it's like um, it's like. You know, it's for elderly awesome. people and, you know, <laughs> casinos and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like that typical kind. Of, yeah, I think that's a good description of the type it is. Yeah. It's definitely like similar to a short bus, but it's not like the school bus style. It's like no. the shuttle bus. Like there's a wheelchair lift in it that we had to like, that we requested was removed um, when we bought it. Mm-hmm. So we could put like a gear loft in there. Um, but yeah, we paid for it with band money. I don't remember whose name it won. It's changed names a few times. It's, I think it's usually either been in Austin's name's name or Trevor's name. And I don't know who originally was, I think maybe it was originally Austin's name, but, um, but yeah, we just paid for it. We're actually, we still don't have like a, like a business, but we have been, we're like in the process of getting an LLC for like the entire year and hopefully before tax season, we can do that. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. It's a whole, it's like the worst, absolute worst part about being a musician. It's the stuff that no musician ever wants to deal with or think about. So it's like, so taxes, do you guys have any insurance? I mean, we have insurance for the bus. Okay. Is that what you mean? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I just experienced that the first time too, or I don't want to think about it either. Yeah. And I'm in a shared studio space and we each have to have insurance. Oh yeah. No, we have nothing like that. (laughs) Okay. Good Good to know. If the, if, yeah. I mean, if like all of our gear, like, you know, fell into the ocean, uh, you know, we're just, we're, we gotta, we gotta buy it all from scratch. Oh, 
And I and for and unfortunately, like that ha- hasn't been an uncommon scenario to me where people go on tour and all their merch and band gear gets stolen out of yeah, the band. Totally. Yeah. We just try to have our stuff look shitty enough so that no one wants it. <laughs> and the van looked just like creepy enough so no one even bothers like checking in what's yeah, going on in there. Totally. It just kind of looks like some, I don't know, some retired shuttle driver that just didn't want to let go of the dream and decide to live on the or like those police cars that they sell the police car and you get kind of tense around them but then you notice it's just like plain white paint job yeah there's like a bobblehead or something (laughs) yeah and you're like oh never mind oh good um well then I mean, I just find all that kind of fascinating because I think people are like, oh, you're in a band, but there's a lot of logistics that go into it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's funny because people will say like, oh, uh, like, is that your, you know, is that your main job? Like, do you have any, do you have any other side gigs or whatever? Like, no, this is a hobby. Like, I I do not make any money from this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I like we all have jobs. That's how we can pay our rent. Um, But we do this because we enjoy it. And, you know, there's always like, it would be nice to be able to, you know, if you get to a certain level of success, then like, you know, I mean, there are bands who do, that's their job. I mean, yeah. obviously like, you know, you don't have like Fleetwood Mac, like going and <laughs> working at well, an office. Yeah. On there. But the amount of people that can do that has shrunk. And I mean, we have a mutual friend that I was recently talking to, um, who was opening up for an extremely, famous pop star Mm -hmm. and but still like that money it's not coming off the recordings or whatever it's he's hit a level of success where it kind of pays for yeah he can pay his rent Mm -hmm. but he has to tour nonstop. like that's where the money is really coming it's like a day job in that regard yeah and just even get the pleasure the privilege to make a living like that Mm -hmm. is extremely difficult oh yeah totally yeah yeah i mean it's like you have to work like double to get to a scenario where you can then still have a job that's like really taxing, but it's still a job, but then you can actually live off it and not have to have another job. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing as a contemporary jeweler. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Like I'm going to, I'm going to Munich jewelry week next, this coming year. And Uh I'm like, wow, this is like such, this is amazing. Everything I'm looking like worked for, and I was like, oh, I'm paying, you pay for all of it. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you, you pay for the gallery space. You pay to get over there. Yeah. You pay for your accommodations. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like similar with festivals or whatever with, uh, with musicians like South by Southwest and, um, CMJ and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've done those and yeah, I mean, you what know. is that like actually? Cause you would think since it's. Cause those tickets to go to things like that are really expensive. So yeah. where, what kind of money are the artists seeing from that? None. None. <laughs> I like how, I wish you, you guys, I wish you could have seen Hamilton's face. He like looks up and he's like, Oh, none. Uh, no, I mean, I think, I think people do get paid. Like, I think, you know, if you're modest mouse, for example, uh, you know, they probably, they probably get paid to do those things. But yeah. if you're a band like us, um, I, you know, I think, when uh when country lips did uh south by southwest we actually didn't officially do it we just did one of those like we just went there and played a bunch of random showcases and shows yeah. and gigs and stuff so we weren't even in that system so i don't i can't really speak to how that works but um song spare research did cmj and i don't know if we got paid at all but if we did it was probably like a hundred dollars or you know it was something but yeah. then you we had to fly to new york and 
pay for or figure out, you know, how we were going to stay there. Like I had to rent a guitar amp and I had, I borrowed one from an acquaintance, uh, for one gig and, you know, get like, it was, it was a, an investment, I would say, not yeah. a, not a, a job or, and I've been to CMJ on the other end of it where I was in radio at that time. Mm. Um, I was my college radio stations, assistant music director and, mm it was expensive for us to go. I mean, the college paid for most of our expenses, but we stayed with friends. So everyone on every side, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to be watching you to know who we want to pay on the radio or who we really want to invest our time in. Mm -hmm. And we're paying a good amount of money just to get to see that. Right. And then on your end, you're doing that. Yeah. So it's like, is it the venues that are winning in this situation? (laughs) Are they just raking in all the money to host all of us? I, I don't I, I don't know who gets the money. That's I don't a know. Great question. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna keep going and try to find some answers on this. Yeah, because it's I mean, a mystery to me. Yeah, I know that. I mean, the venues must get paid something because otherwise, what's the incentive for them to do it? Great exposure. Also, <laughs> great exposure. <laughs> well, yeah, CMJ. Great exposure. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. Does does the does CMJ just take all the money? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's probably an expensive thing to put on, but. And if you don't know what CMJ is, the way I kind of always explained it to people was it's billboard for independent radio stations and like college radio stations. Cause there's like CMJ standings. Cause we would pick bands and, um, I don't know what you would call it, like rate them or whatever. And that's how their standings would come out. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's based on like how much they get played, right? Yeah, but also as a music, um, as music director, when I moved up to that, I would have production companies or music. Comp- There's people that pay bands, paid them mm-hmm. to contact the music directors to push mm. their records oh, right, and like push us to PR. rate them. So yeah. we would actually give them like our top ten artists each week. Ah, uh, okay, like review, like star rating kind of situation. Yeah, kind yeah. of like that. And then that's how you would get that collective rating. Mm-hmm. So those companies are making money because those artists are paying them for their services as well. Right. Oh, I think I hear. Is that Trevor? Trev dog in the house. Trev dog in the house. Um, the ginger and the country lips. <laughs> Redhead. Um, but yeah, so I'll do research on that. I'll get back to you. Yeah, let me know what you find out. Well, can I ask you a question about, I mean, I did. we did get a little sidetracked. So you have started trying to figure out a way to make money off of what? Like recording people or producing? Um, yeah, right now I, I have in the past had kind of periods where I'm trying to, where I'm like, should I try to, you know, record people, be an engineer or producer or whatever. And I've done that a bit. Um, but I'm, that's not really what I'm feeling now. Um, I probably could still do that, but I feel like I'm at the point where I'd probably have to go to school. Like I'd have to go to like engineering school, yeah. um, which, you know, could be cool. But then, then it's like, I'm dedicating my whole life to being an audio engineer and yeah. I'd really rather be a musician. I mean, I like engineering, but it's not like my main passion. Um, so I've been trying more to uh, focus on like scoring and composition and stuff like that for like films and commercials and just kind of anything, podcasts, you know, what any, <laughs> anything that needs a song. Because, uh, I mean, it's still really hard to, you know, succeed in that world, but at least there you know films have music budgets and yeah. commercials have music like it's it, it does the money does exist there whereas yeah. like for bands you know 
does the money exist? Maybe, maybe not. Like you kind of just have to get like you put, get, you know, be lucky and be in the right place at the right time. And, um, and, and also be good. I mean, you don't always have to be good, I guess, but yeah, true. (laughs) I know a lot of shitty bands. You're making a lot of money (laughs) and I am shocked. Yeah. So, um, I've been, I've been focusing more on that and I've, I've been having some luck with it. Um, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. a whole world that is new to me. Um, like being on music supervision companies, kind of like lists where like I'm I'm trying to get to the point where like they'll come to me and be like, we want you to compose an original score for this commercial, and we will pay you X amount of money to do it. And this is your timeline you have. Yeah, which yeah. I've done that a little bit before, but it's usually through personal connections. Like my brother's a director, so like he'll he'll hook me up with stuff sometimes. Um, and like Miles, who is a country lips bandmate, does um, video production stuff for a living. So like he's hired me to do things before. Um, so I'm trying to get that type of thing for like at, at a, a a greater level, I guess, where I can actually yeah. you know pay rent with that or that type of thing or. Um, I've done scoring for like films and, um, and commercials and stuff like that and, and been able to get paid and get to the point where it's like, if I could do this regularly, I could actually, you know, you know, stop my other day job. Yeah. And I think that you're fortunate too, because you do have the day job, like you work from home. Right? Often, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I freelance, so it kind of depends on what I'm doing. Like right now I'm yeah. doing a contract job where I'm working two days a week, but I go into the office, um, to work. But then I also have other projects that are just, I mean, other, not like specific contracts where I just, you know, build this website and I'll, I'll just do it from home typically, but some places I'll work from the office. Some from home kind of depends on what it is, but you have a lot of flexibility within it, which is like, that is also something that a lot of people do not have. Yeah. Um, so that can and afford you to focus on this project and maybe transition to it. I don't know. Yeah. That's the, uh, the, the hopeful attitude that yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I always find it interesting, like how people make things work behind the scenes, right. of course. So yeah. for me, it's like, how do you even start as a musician, there's so many out there. Like, why aren't more people trying to get into this kind of work? Right. I think you kind of need it in sometimes. Yeah. And I, and there are a lot of people that are trying to do it and I have friends who are trying to do it as well. And, um, you know, I think people are succeeding or not succeeding at varying degrees. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just tricky, but uh, <laughs> you got to put in the, you got to put in the time and the, and the work. And I think right now I, I realized that like I was, doing a lot of reaching out to people and I kind of just realized that I need to right now I need to just focus on like having a stronger portfolio that kind of shows like a greater diversity of types of things that I do mm-hmm. because like when I've been on like I'll get an, get an email and be like we're looking for something that's like kind of this up tempo like you know feel good thing with like a you know a rising crescendo what, yeah and like all this stuff and I'm like okay so everything I have is like total like vibey moody stuff like <laughs> a lot of minor key things like even the even the happiest like even the most up-tempo happiest stuff that i have is like there's still kind of like an ominous thing going yeah. on here so. so i might not be the guy for you yeah so uh and it's like I, ca- I can do that stuff but uh i haven't really like i don't have any great examples of that type of work yeah. yet so i'm, I'm kind of realizing like okay i need to show like i i wanted to just specialize in like vibey moody stuff but you know, I think in order to get a good kind of footing or ground 
uh, for being able to like have a regular kind of job or whatever doing that, um, you know, pr- consistent income. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. income. That's the, the phrase that was escaping me. <laughs> <laughs> Such a, I don't use it that often. So what is that? Yeah. <laughs> You're like uncle Jesse from full house, right? And jingles. Oh, God. kind of not Good really. Lord. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to say it. It popped in my head. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yes. So how much, give, can you give me an example of what somebody would pay you for a song? Besides yeah. mine, which is a hundred dollars, right? Like, let's, that's not real. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, no, I, that that can be real too. Um, but if yeah, for doing an original composition, um, for something like a short song for like a commercial or a little video or something, I'd say anywhere from like a few hundred to a few thousand. Oh, okay. Um, so I, and I don't I don't really have a great sense of like what the kind of industry standard is, but when people have been trying to get like library tracks, when they'll hit me up to see if I have any library tracks, like AKA songs that I just have sitting around that are like ready to go. Oh yeah. Um, for them to basically like buy the rights to use for their project. Um, it seems like a lot of those are like in the like 1000 to $2,000 range. Oh, so have you been working on growing your library? Um, sort of, I kind of had that realization that I needed to do that, um, like fairly recently, like a a couple months ago and I've had all these other projects. So I've, I've done some scoring for, um, for stuff that like they haven't, like I'll, I'll maybe submit three ideas and they'll pick one that they're going to use. Um, so I'll have like the other two that are kind of like half finished. So I have some more, but, um, I haven't really had the time to like put in the the work of ex- really expanding my life. Like last time they hit me up, I was like, I have the exact same ones that you like from when you hit me up the time before. So you're not going to, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's, I have nothing new for you. Um, wow. That's so interesting to me. Is yeah. there like websites that if you want to be a composer or do something like this, where you can go kind of like, I don't know, like a Craigslist and like people will post, Hey, we're looking for this and people, Probably. Is that a thing? I mean, Craigslist. Well, yeah, (laughs) true. I didn't know uh, if it was specialized for like composing for this kind of thing. Yeah, I I, I bet that there is um, more what I've seen is like resources where people can submit like kind of library tracks. So like Mm -hmm. composers can submit music and then people who want to use a song in their project will go there and they can browse through. And like a lot of those are like, you know, 50 bucks a pop or something where it's like, but it's non, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like non-exclusive. Oh yeah. Like what we were talking about, the podcasting music, like anybody can use that. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, you could do 10 songs and maybe like no one picks any of them. So you make zero dollars or you could make one song and like a thousand people do it. And so you get 50 bucks a pop for, you know, every single one of those. So it's kind of like, it, it could be a lot of luck. Yeah. And also, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I've heard that if you get into doing library stuff, then people kind of know you as like a library composer and that's not really oh, what I want to do. So is it like, Oh, that's commercial jewelry kind of thing maybe maybe a little hierarchy there yeah because i think a lot of the library tracks are like 
there there's a sound to them you know it's like yeah. there's certain chord progressions and like do 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 you know like there's stuff that you hear things that <laughs> has to be appealing to a mass audience yeah like yeah. non-offensive like kind of gets you feeling good like oh i'm gonna like kind of pay attention and this seems sort of professional but it's not too offensive it doesn't have anything too like in your face so there's a whole universe of that type of music which to, right. is to me kind of soul crushing and depressing um, <laughs> yeah and I, I would uh, like to avoid it if possible. Um, but so then from there you get like, you know, original composing for like someone who commissions you to do something for like a film or a commercial or something. So that's mm-hmm. like infinitely more exciting to me. Um, but it's also like a lot more mysterious because there's, you know, yeah. there's not necessary. maybe there's a website like a, a Craigslist esque website for that. But, um, not one that I know of, at least. Like, I keep thinking, I keep trying to compare in my mind, like, where, what I would be doing. And it's kind of like, you want the independent films to want you to compose them. Right. And same thing. It's like, I want to exhibit work at a gallery overseas. And yeah. Yeah. So it's totally. kind of like, it's interesting how you can think about it. There's yeah. a lot of ways you can make money, um, but there's prestige amongst others that you kind of want to go for right totally and i would rather like since i am able to like pay my rent by you know with my normal job i'd rather like put in more time and more effort to like getting to a cool a cool place where like people are like my ideal situation is okay we're gonna do we're doing this film and we have this scene and like you know who we really need to have score it is we need to get Hamilton to score this part because he has this certain like thing that he does and it would be perfect for this. Um, so like that's my ideal sort of dream. And I'd, I'd rather put in more time and, and energy and like kind of struggle and maybe not get paid as well um, mm-hmm. for a longer period of time to like to be able to get in that position versus like dive into a, a library um, of feces, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um I've, I've felt that way a lot about like, I've never, and I don't put it down in any regard or whatever, but I've never put up an online shop or an Etsy shop Mm. because I didn't want to start making work that I would never be able to stop making. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. If you make something and someone falls in love with it, Mm. you kind of have to keep it going in a lot of ways. And for me, that's been my like hierarchy. Like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, then you just kind of get on a treadmill of like, okay, I got to just keep doing this thing. And yeah. <laughs> well, I've always looked for outside jobs. Like mm-hmm. I just got my ideal situation where I found kind of like you, where I've found my job, like mm-hmm. a really steady job. So now that frees up me to be able to make other things mm-hmm. and pick and choose what I do. Yeah. Yeah. My job is not steady by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. You're freelance. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually it is right now, but it's, but it's a contract thing, but yeah. Anyway. Um, ebbs and flows yeah so when it rains it pours as they say oh yeah Mm, stock up um so what's up what what are you working on right now is there anything you want to plug or say hey seattle come listen to this oh yeah um actually you know what i think this is gonna air (laughs) let me give you a timeline you're gonna air probably like this third week in december is when this is gonna air (laughs) yeah new year's show you got a new year's show lined up well if it's the third week of December, Country Lips is playing Little Red Hen December 29th and December 30th, which if anyone likes to party and have a real good time, that's the <laughs> yes. place to be. And Little Red Hen is amazing. It is amazing. It, it shocks me that it's in Seattle, but it's yeah. like 
you walk in and you feel like you're in a true blue honky tonk. Yeah. And people, I don't know where those people come from and they're dancing up a storm and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I feel like you're in roadhouse country partner dancing people, you know, like you meet some old dude and then he introduces you to his dad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and like, you know, like, or, or (laughs) better yet, I, I think this happened where, it was Amy maybe talking to this guy and it was like a real, real old guy. And he was like, hang out with this other really old guy. And he was like, this is my son. <laughs> what? And it was a dude who was like, probably like some, you know, our grandparents age or whatever. Uh, um, but anyway, and then there's young people and anyway, all over the place and everyone just mingling together and dancing and listening to country music. Yeah. And if you're familiar with Seattle, it's in Green Lake. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a gem. Seattle gem. Unfortunately, I think that building is going to be turned into condos sometime in the relatively near Damn future. Damn it. I was just going to say that. I was yeah. like, it's it's surviving the transition that yeah, Seattle is facing. Yeah, because all around it is just there. The condos are going up. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the owners of that building are getting ready to go go that route ready to i don't know cash in on their retirement or whatever but yeah i mean which would I be can't a shame blame them but yeah you know but that doesn't mean you can't hate them for it as yeah well. it's true thank you <laughs> but uh, i don't know so there's anyway if that ends up happening there's talk of like you know the owners of the of the hen could potentially like find a different location but would the crowd you know follow and follow. would it be the same thing whatever so who knows but we're just gonna have to enjoy it while we have it yeah lean into it yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I have this song spare research album that I am working on finishing and we're getting back mixes now. Um, but I have absolutely no timeline on that, but, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> if you like, if you're into it, then it, it'll be on Spotify and Bandcamp. So like, or, you know, any, what if you can follow song spare research on Spotify and it'll get, give you a notification or whatever when the new one comes out or, or mm-hmm. just like, you know, Facebook or Instagram, obviously I'll, I'll post about it. Yeah. But it'll, you know, we're, we move slow. Um, so don't hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but we have a back catalog that's there for people to listen to. And Country Lips has, you know, like you said, multiple albums that I mean, we're are in also Spotify. on Spotify. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Or some of the, yeah. The, what do you get? Like a records, quarter of a songs. penny every time someone plays a song? Oh, that would be great if it was a quarter of a penny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would almost materialize into something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've heard it's like slim pickings on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I have on Perceived Values website, um, there is a link to the music so you can always find the song that's on the web, um, on my intro and outro and then links to your website and whatnot. So yeah. And I have, um, since I, we'd been talking about all the scoring stuff, I have my website, which is hamiltonboys.com, uh, has like, it's focuses on my scoring stuff. So there's like video samples of projects that I've scored there. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Um, and that's been fun. Cause I kind of got to the point like earlier this year where I was like, Oh, I actually have enough work that I can make a portfolio for my composition work, which yeah. is exciting. But yeah, like I said, I need to build it, but yeah, and I'll put that on the description of the podcast so everybody will be able to lurk you on the interwebs. Cool. Yeah, if you need vibey, moody music composed <laughs> for your indie film. <laughs> Hamilton Voice is your man. All right. Anything else you want to add? Um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you and having you in town, Sarah Brown. Oh, thanks, Hamilton. Yeah. I miss you all out here. I miss you too. It's always good to get back. Yeah. At least once a year.
It's good to have you. It's been raining every day. Thanks for that, Seattle. <laughs> Not surprised. All right, everyone. This has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. Until next time. Ready? Yeah. One, two, one. Thanks to Trevor Pendris and Hamilton Boyce for taking the time to make that little recording happen while he's back home in Seattle. You guys are the best. You can hear that song on Spotify. Just look for Country Lips. The song is entitled How Many Towns. It's my personal favorite. 
This podcast has been recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. You can find more at www.perceivedvaluedpodcast.com. Until next time.